Hey, Sarah here. Summer is fast approaching, and here's what I propose. A relaxed and simple summer that offers just enough structure to keep those long, sticky days from melting into chaos, and just enough fun to keep your kids asking for more. Also, fairy tales. Lots of fairy tales. (laughs) I'm teaching a free workshop called Three Simple Steps to a Fairy Tale Summer, and I would love for you to join me. Save your free seat at the workshop by texting the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. See you there. You're listening to the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. This is the podcast that inspires you to build your family culture around books. Well, hi there. This is episode 24 of the Read Aloud Revival podcast. I'm your host, Sarah McKenzie. So we're going to do something a little bit different today. One of the things I hear a lot in the Read Aloud Revival Facebook group, in comments to the show notes, and in the emails you send me are questions about how to transition from picture books to novels or to children's novels, longer pieces of fiction. So reading aloud from novels is one of my very favorite things to do. I enjoy reading picture books, but for me, it just doesn't quite compare to a good children's novel. And I tend to think it pays off to be careful about what those first novels are because a cumbersome, boring, or otherwise unpleasant first experience with longer narrative can really take the wind out of your sails. And nobody needs that, especially a mother or father who is trying to set the tone for read aloud culture in their home. So today, rather than interviewing a guest, I'm going to chat with you about some strategies you can use to make a smooth transition from picture books to children's novels and share my favorite first novels to read with kids. Before we get started, I want to mention the Read Aloud Revival hashtag, which our whole community is using on social media channels. Every day, there's new things being uploaded on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I think because we all love to see what Reading Aloud looks like in the nitty gritty of real life, we are just loving that. So if you'd like to see what other revivalers are doing in their homes, you can search the hashtag Read Aloud Revival, one word, of course. And we just love it if you added your picture to the collection. I look those up regularly and just love to see what's there. So you can upload a picture of your book stack or even better, a picture of your family reading aloud together, and then just add the hashtag read aloud revival and we can all find each other. When my oldest children were small, I couldn't wait until we could read middle grade novels together. I enjoyed reading picture books with them, but those weren't the books that really formed me as a reader, a budding reader myself. It had been books by Beverly Cleary and Roald Dahl that sparked my own childhood imagination and turned me into a lifelong reader. I really couldn't wait to introduce my favorite books and characters to my kids. So I got excited. I got enthusiastic. And the first novel I tried to read to my kids was Little House in the Big Woods. It was really unsuccessful. (laughs) That felt terrible because I knew that Little House was the gold standard in children's literature. It still is the gold standard in children's literature. And I felt like we were failures because we couldn't really get into it. I was struggling. The kids weren't able to listen or pay attention well. And it just sort of felt like a big flop. What I didn't know at the time, but I know now, was 
that I hadn't yet developed my own read aloud skills enough to deliver those long descriptive passages in Little House in an interesting way. My girls hadn't had enough practice painting pictures in their heads and following along with longer narrative to keep up with what was going on. And so it ended up being this great disappointment and it really didn't need to be. I think those first experiences with reading aloud from longer books really ought to be delightful and set the tone and set the stage for things to come. So let's talk about how to do that. Laura Ingalls Wilder has written, of course, some of the best books ever written. (laughs) And, you know, since that first attempt, we have gone on to read her entire series three times together as a family. But I don't usually recommend that parents start reading novels with their kids by reading Little House. And there's a reason for that. Novels require something of your child that reading picture books doesn't. For the most part, it requires a longer attention span and it requires an ability to imagine without visual prompts to paint pictures in your mind based on word imagery. So if you're just getting started with reading novels with your kids, well, first of all, lucky you, because it's a really a treat. And second of all, we need to get you choosing books that set you up to be successful right out of the gate. We want to make the first forays into longer fiction a stepping stool, and that will set you up for years and years of happy reading aloud. Today, I have five tips for getting started reading novels to your kids. The first is to acknowledge that some books make better first novels than others. There are a lot of really wonderful books that are really awful to read aloud, or at least really hard to read aloud. When you're choosing your very first chapter books, you want to look for short chapters, lots of dialogue, and memorable characters. Those are the three things. I'll say, I repeat them so you'll hear them again. Short chapters, lots of dialogue, and memorable characters. That makes the words and the story easier for your children to picture in their mind. I will have a whole list of books for you in the show notes to this podcast that fit that description. You'll be able to find those at readaloudrevival.com. You're just going to want to look for episode 24. But some good examples of books that have short chapters, lots of dialogue, and memorable characters are Pippi Longstocking, A Bear Called Paddington, the whole Paddington Bear series, actually. And there's picture books and board books that are Paddington Bear, but I'm talking about the originals by Michael Bond. The Mouse and the Motorcycle by Beverly Cleary. And then, of course, the Mrs. Piggle stories, which I really think make some of the best first reloads. Collections of short stories are also a good choice when you're getting little minds used to longer narrative. And some of our favorites of those are James Harriet's Treasury for Children and Thornton Burgess's Animal Stories. So you can find, actually, Thornton Burgess's Animal Stories for free on the Baldwin Project and... I will make sure there's a link to those in the show notes. And there's actually, you can also find a lot of the Thornton Burgess animal stories as free audio. They're just in podcasts. They're actually in iTunes. But you can also get them from booksshouldbefree.com. And we'll make sure those are all linked up in the show notes so you don't have to be jotting all that down. But those are both, James Harriet and Thornton Burgess both wrote animal stories. James Harriet's animal stories were from the perspective of a veterinarian taking care of animals. And Thornton Burgess's were more anthropomorphized kind of animal stories. So animals that can talk and, you know, interact with each other. Let me tell you, the Thornton Burgess books are cream of the crop. They are so well written, very short, wonderful vocabulary and language and cadence, perfect for reading aloud. And they really appeal to both girls and boys. So if you want my number one recommendation for a starting spot, I would recommend anything by Thornton Burgess. 
if you are struggling to find good books to read aloud, you want to have a couple of good book lists tucked into your pocket. (laughs) A couple of places that you can go reliably to look. Because I'll tell you what, my kids will come to me all the time and ask for a good book recommendation, or I will just need one for read aloud time. And sometimes I'm too tired or I can't remember, you know, what I saw on the Read Aloud Revival Facebook group. I know somebody recommended something wonderful, but I didn't jot it down or I can't find it. Or I have a couple of book lists that are my go-to book lists that I go to first. They're my first stop when we need something to read aloud. My very favorites are Honey for a Child's Heart by Gladys Hunt, Read for the Heart by Sarah Clarkson, and the book lists at centerforlit.com. And those were compiled by Adam and Missy Andrews. They're the writers of Teaching the Classics. And Adam was my guest on episode two of the podcast. And he's also done some member workshop inside the membership site. He's just a good friend of mine, just absolutely brilliant guy. So he's got some great free book lists at centerforlit.com. my first stops when I need a good book recommendation. Honey for a Child's Heart, Read for the Heart, and the book list at centerforlit.com. Now, they're not all excellent for your first books to read aloud together, your first novels to read aloud together, because some of them have longer chapters or not enough dialogue to make it easy to read aloud. I would say out of those, the Center for Lit, if you look at those first, he divides the book list up by grade level. And if you look at the first few grades, you'll see some really good recommendations there that are great for your first novels to read aloud. Again, we'll have that linked up in the show notes as well. Remember, what you're going for with your first forays into novel reading are short chapters, lots of dialogue, and memorable characters. Let me give you an example. Think about the Ramona Quimby books for a moment. I love Ramona Quimby, right? Who doesn't? The stories about her by Beverly Cleary are lovely. They're wonderful. You know, they probably should be a part of every child's reading experience, but I don't find them terribly easy to read aloud, especially at the very beginning when you're just warming up your read aloud muscles. The reason for that is simply that the chapters are pretty darn long. You can break them up, but if you're training yourself to read children's novels and training your kids' read aloud muscles so that they find the whole thing delightful as they develop longer and longer attention spans, I think there are better choices, even though the Ramona Quimby books are fantastic on the whole. Mrs. Piggle Wiggle, for example, would be a better choice because it meets those three criteria. Short chapters, lots of dialogue, and engaging characters. Okay, so once we've acknowledged that not all books are created equal and some make better first novels to read aloud than others, we're going to move on to our second tip, which is read when you've got a captive audience. Remember, listening and paying attention to what you're hearing, those are learned skills. Your kids will get better at it over time, I promise. I despaired when I read that first Little House book because my kids were not able to pay attention to the long descriptive passages of the dimensions of the logs and the way they were building the little house and all these things. Well, they developed those muscles over time. And by the time we got back to that book, they were not only able to listen and pay attention, they were captivated. So let them stretch those muscles at the beginning as effortlessly as possible. And one way to do that is to read to them when they're basically a captive audience. (laughs) In the car, for example, when there's nothing else to do, so they might as well listen. Audiobooks in the car are a perfect way to capitalize on your captive audience. It can get tricky. We used to just get books on CD from the library and keep them in the car, but... 
we now have six children and a ginormous van. And so that doesn't work so great because the audiobook has to be really loud for everybody to hear it. Everybody in the van. We can hear it in the front. We can hear it in the back. But all the kids in the middle <laughs> can't hear it very well. But when we had a minivan, it worked great. You can use CDs if necessary. But of course, those can be really cumbersome. You probably don't want to leave them in the car if you live somewhere really warm. And they tend to be very expensive to purchase. So if you have joined the new century <laughs> and have a way to plug in your iPhone or MP3 player or what have you, use that instead. I can't do it. I don't have that technology in my big van. So I'm jealous of all of you who can. <laughs> We're just not that hip yet. But I think uh, that would be a fantastic way to listen to audiobooks in the car. Episode 14 of the podcast is all about audiobooks. My friend Misty and I brainstormed some places to get audiobooks for either free or low prices. So be sure to check that out if you need some sources for audio. We'll put a link in the show notes. Mealtimes are another really good choice for reading to a captive audience. At mealtimes, kids are sitting still, their mouths are busy. So chances are good that you won't have to work quite as hard to keep everyone settled. Uh, lately, I've been giving my babies popsicles during read aloud time because... Eating a popsicle takes 100 years. <laughs> and the babies will hang out in the high chairs with kind of numb mouths and busy hands while I read. So they make a completely huge sticky mess. And it always takes me a bit to clean them up afterward. But we can get 15 or 20 minutes of reading aloud in while they're sitting there sucking on their popsicles. It's fantastic. So be creative. And remember that your kids don't actually need to be sitting still to listen well. You can, even for your older kids, dump out a pile of Legos or a mound of Play-Doh to keep hands busy you'll have a lot more success right out of the gate. It's read aloud veterans' well-kept secret that our kids are busy with their hands while they listen. This isn't a new way to distract modern kids who can't pay attention, by the way. In the autobiography of the Von Trapp family, Maria Von Trapp explains how the children would whittle or knit or do some sort of handcraft during read aloud time in their family. So it's not a cop-out. It's science. <laughs> Your kids will likely listen better if they have something in their hands. I know others who read aloud while their kids fold a pile of laundry. So you can, you know, let that thing build up all day long on the family room floor and then have a big folding party while you read. <laughs> so be creative. Lots of different ways you can make a captive audience a great read aloud time. Just try and think when you're all sitting there at some point in your family life, when even doesn't even have to be all of you sitting there. Maybe some of you are sitting outside ballet waiting for a child to be done with practice or at the soccer game and it's raining so you're on the van. Just try and keep something handy, something to read aloud handy. And you can kind of take advantage of those little moments when you have a captive audience. We'll get back to the show in just a minute. At the beginning of today's episode, I mentioned that what I propose for this summer is a relaxed and simple plan that offers just enough structure to keep your days from melting into chaos and just enough fun to keep your kids asking for more. And what summer wouldn't be much, much better with a whole bunch of fairy tales? Well, I'm teaching a free workshop called Three Simple Steps to a Fairy Tale Summer and here's what we're going to talk about. First, how reading fairy tales can make your summer easier. Yes, easier. We wanna take things off your plate this summer, not put more on, right? <laughs> fairy tales can make your summer easier and more fun. I'm also gonna share the fairy tales I recommend for every age and the tippy top thing you can do to make sure your kids make 
delightful memories this summer. It is way less work and way less pressure than you think. The free workshop is happening live online on May 7th, 2024, and you can save your free seat by texting the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. And yes, there's a replay, so make sure you register even if you can't join us live on May 7th. Again, text the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. Okay, so we've first, we're acknowledging that all books are not created equal, and we're choosing books intentionally for our first novels. Second, we're taking advantage of captive audience. And our tip number three is to keep it short. Short spurts are your best bet. I just love to tell people that reading aloud for just five minutes a day for the course of a year would equal 30 hours of reading aloud. That's a lot of reading aloud. Five minutes a day is enough to make a lasting difference in your home at that rate. Now, it probably won't be all that satisfying to read for just five minutes, but certainly 15 minutes is plenty. And quite frankly, most of us waste more than 15 minutes a day on Facebook or watching TV or piddling around the house not getting a whole lot done or getting things done that maybe won't have the lasting impact that reading aloud will, like cleaning our kitchen. Charlotte Mason, a much-loved educator in the classical tradition, actually taught teachers to intentionally use short reading spurts. She actually wanted her teachers to read to students only in short spurts and not go long, even if everybody was actively listening and engaged. Because reading on and on for too long would make it hard for the children to process or think about or mull over their reading before moving on to the next part of the story. So it was a way for them to engage with what they were reading think about it, let it transform them before they just steamrolled on through the story. I'm not as good at this because sometimes I like to steamroll, especially if I want to find out what's happening next. But keep in mind, you don't need to have epic read aloud sessions to be a read aloud family. You don't need to have epic read aloud sessions to build your family culture around books. minutes on most days over years and years, that will add up to a great fortune one day, a really strong family culture. Tip number four is to read what you love. Let me tell you, when I'm not enjoying a particular book, I have a really hard time maintaining enthusiasm to keep at it day in and day out. There are plenty of books other people love that I just haven't gotten excited about. So I've shared on the podcast before, I tried to read The Hobbit, which I know is probably what I should have said was the gold standard in children's literature. (laughs) But I have had a really hard time reading that one aloud. Same thing with Swallows and Amazons, which I know several people in our Read Aloud Revival Facebook group just love to read aloud. I had a really hard time with that one. And what I have learned over years and years of reading with my kids is that I need to read books that I really enjoy reading. And that doesn't mean we don't read those other books. It means I resort to audiobooks or my husband (laughs) to read those, but usually audiobooks. Audiobooks can be a fantastic resource for those books that you don't really love reading aloud, but that will still help form your children and that you still want part of your family's literary culture. If you read what you love, your kids will feed off that enthusiasm. You can find a lot of momentum radiating from the fact that you are enjoying yourself when you're reading something you love. 
So when I see a book that I recognize loving from my own childhood, maybe at the library or whatever, we'll read it, even if it's twaddle. (laughs) While I try to read from a variety of authors and genres and time periods, I have definitely noticed that some genres are harder for me to read than others. So fantasy, for example, is a hard one for me to get excited about. So I tend to get our fantasy reads like Tolkien and Lewis on audio or my kids read them on their own. But that's okay. So just make sure that whatever you're reading, you are enjoying. And sometimes, you know, you can forge kind of through or push yourself a little bit farther to see if you can get into the story. And that's not a bad thing. But on the whole, you don't need to torture yourself with thinking that you need to finish every single book you start or that you have to just because you hear other people saying how much they love a particular book that you need to enjoy reading it as well. The fact of the matter is we don't all love the same books. And what we're trying to do is pass on a heritage to our kids and to really enjoy being together and delight in read aloud time. And so you can't really do that if you're trudging through a book or you're making excuses to get out of read aloud time because you just don't want to get back to it. A book that just popped into my head just now where we've had this experience are the books by Minder De Jong. I'm probably totally butchering that author's name. The Wheel on the School, Shadrach, gosh, a whole bunch of others that I'm having a hard time remembering just now. These are really great books and they're on a gazillion of those trusted book lists that I mentioned. (laughs) They're just really highly recommended. I'll tell you what, I think they're kind of clunky to read aloud. I think they probably are just wonderful to read to yourself, but I find reading them aloud to be difficult and a bit laborious. So if you find yourself reading something and just making excuses not to get back to read aloud time because you don't want to finish it, that is a really good sign. You should probably ditch it and try something else. And let your kids finish the book on their own if they can or get them the audiobook. That's what I did with The Hobbit. My kids were not quite old enough, the ones who wanted to finish that, when I just realized I can't slog through this entire thing, reading it aloud and trying to do these voices is going to kill me. They weren't old enough to read it on their own. So we got an audiobook for them instead and they listened to that. Okay, let's review what we've got so far. Tip number one was acknowledge that not all books are created equal and you choose your first novels carefully. Tip number two is to take advantage of your captive audience moments. Tip number three is to keep it short. Tip number four is to read what you love. And then tip number five is never stop reading picture books. So in that sense, we aren't really transitioning from picture books to novels. We're just moving into a phase where we don't just read picture books, but we also read novels. Just because you're venturing into middle grade novels doesn't mean that picture books have to become a thing of the past. So some of the most eloquent and complex stories are told in picture books. When you move into novels, think of it as expanding your child's world and inviting a whole new slew of books into your child's literary repertoire. You're simply inviting longer text into your already rich literary life. Now, I'll tell you what, if you make this transition focusing on your relationships, focusing on making this a delightful part of your day, keeping it short, choosing books carefully, and making sure you're all enjoying yourselves, chances are good that read aloud time will become a favorite part of your child's day. The best thing I can share with you as you reach for those very first novels to share with your kids is just to relish it. Set yourself up for success and then just enjoy the ride. Parenting, honestly, in my opinion, Parenting doesn't get much better than this. Remember that I have a whole list of great books that are perfect for reading aloud at the beginning of your novel reading journey at readaloudrevival.com. Look for episode 24 
You're going to find books like Poppy, written by Avi, A Sarah Plain and Tall, The Millie Molly Mandy Storybook, The McBroom Books, The Boxcar Children, The Bears on Hemlock Mountain, The Cricket in Times Square, just a whole slew of books that I think are really great for this stage. And I really think you can pretty much close your eyes and pick any single one of those books and you'll be in good shape. So if your child is at all nebulous about listening to a story without any pictures, go check that list out. Give one of those books a go and see what happens next. Now it's time for Let the Kids Speak. This is my favorite part of the podcast, where kids tell us about their favorite stories that have been read aloud to them. Hi, my name is Alice. I'm six and I live in Utah. One of my favorite books is Beavis and Ramona. My favorite part is when Ramona took a bite out of every apple. My name is Katie, and I'm 10 years old. I live for Virginia, and my favorite book is Poppy. It was written by Avi, and my favorite character was Aerith, and he's a porcupine. I really like the book because it has lots of action and suspense, and if you really like animals, you would really love the book. Caleb Russell Hauser, and I am five years old. I live in Songtan, South Korea. My favorite book is The Horse's Boy of Narnia. I like it because of Lucy, and it's an adventure book, and I like adventures. And it, this book is full of adventures. You should read it if you can. And that's it for today. Now, I want to remind you, we have our very first live author event happening in the Read Aloud Revival membership site this weekend. Super excited. Caroline Star Rose, author of Maybe and the brand new book, Bluebirds, is going to join us. And so everyone who's a member of the Read Aloud Revival membership site will have access. And what's going to happen is Caroline will be live on screen. And kids can get online and watch her talk. She's going to be giving us a little sneak peek into her writing process. And then there will be a chance for kids to type in their questions. And Caroline will be talking to the kids live on screen. I'm so excited about it. It's going to be great. So if you haven't picked up your copy of Bluebirds, no problem. You can do that, of course. I'll have a link to Bluebirds in the show notes of this episode. But also feel free to come to the live author event because meeting the author and joining in on that conversation might just be the catalyst your kids need to want to pick that book up on their own for you all to read it together as a family. So don't feel like you have to have read the book in order to come to the live author event. I think there's going to be a lot of good things happening there, even for anyone who hasn't had a chance to read it yet. And also, Caroline is generously offering a giveaway for one family who's attending. So you might want to get in on your chance to win that. So you'll want to make sure you're a member of the membership site before Sunday or by Sunday, because the event is happening on Sunday, April 26, 2015 at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. If you can't make that actual day, or if you're listening to this podcast episode after that date, the replay is going to be available inside the membership site. So even though you won't be able to ask the author live questions, you'll still be able to watch all the good things happening and your kids will get to be able to watch that replay if they're Caroline Star Roses fan. And we have some other authors lined up for later in the year. 
but we're really excited about this first one and I can't wait to see what you all think. Speaking of what you all think, I would like to know what you all thought of this episode. I'm not sure if this is a format we should pursue or not. It's the first time I've done a show on my own. Well, I guess it's not the exact first time. I did the jumpstart challenge this way, but... Usually, of course, you know, if you're a regular listener, I'm interviewing somebody, which is what we have lined up for most of the rest of the year. But I'm wondering if you all would like me to sprinkle in uh, more tips and tricks kind of podcast episodes like this one in between interviews. I would love to know that. If you wanted to head to the show notes for today's podcast and let me know if you like the interviews way better and could do without these, (laughs) or if you really liked this and would like me to work at making more of them over the course of the rest of the year, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back in two weeks with another episode of the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. Until then, go build your family culture around books. Mm